0: Hi everybody and welcome back to another episode of Carla Reads the Classics. Thanks so much for tuning in. Let's continue with Jane Austen's Pride and Prejudice. Chapter 8. At five o'clock the two ladies retired to dress and at half past six Elizabeth was summoned to dinner to the civil inquiries which then poured in, and amongst which she had the pleasure of distinguishing the much superior solicitude of Mr. Bingley's, she could not make a very favorable answer. Jane was by no means better. The sisters, on hearing this, repeated three or four times how much they were grieved, how shocking it was to have a bad cold, and how excessively they disliked being ill themselves, and then thought no more of the matter and their indifference towards Jane when not immediately before them restored Elizabeth to the enjoyment of all her former dislike. Their brother, indeed, was the only one of the party whom she should regard with any complacency. His anxiety for Jane was evident, and his attentions to himself most pleasing, and they prevented her feeling herself so much as an intruder as she believed she was considered by the others. She had very little notice from any but him." Miss Bingley was engrossed by Mr. Darcy, her sister scarcely less so, and as for Mr. Hurst, by whom Elizabeth sat, he was an indolent man who lived only to eat, drink, and play at cards, who, when he found her to prefer a plain dish to a ragout, had nothing to say to her. When dinner was over, she returned directly to Jane, and Miss Bingley began abusing her as soon as she was out of the room. Her manners were pronounced to be very bad indeed, a mixture of pride and impertinence. She had no conversation, no style, no beauty. Mrs. Hurst thought the same and added, She has nothing, in short, to recommend her but being an excellent walker. I shall never forget her appearance this morning. She really looked almost wild." She did indeed, Louisa. I could hardly keep my countenance very nonsensical to come at all. Why must she be scampering about the country? Because her sister had a cold, her hair so untidy, so blousy. Yes, and her petticoat. I hope you saw her petticoat six inches deep in mud. I am absolutely certain. And the gown which had been let down to hide it not doing its office. Your picture may be very exact, Louisa, said Bingley. But this was all lost upon me. I thought Miss Elizabeth Bennet looked remarkably well. When she came into the room this morning, her dirty petticoat quite escaped my notice. "'You observed it, Mr. Darcy, I am sure,' said Miss Bingley, "'and I am inclined to think you would not wish to see your sister make such an exhibition.' "'Certainly not. "'To walk three miles, or four miles, or five miles, or whatever it is, "'above her ankles in dirt, and alone, quite alone— "'What could she mean by it? "'It seems to me to show an abominable sort of conceited independence, "'a most country-town indifference to decorum. "'It shows an affection for her sister that is very pleasing,' said Bingley. "'I am afraid, Mr. Darcy,' observed Miss Bingley in a half-whisper, "'that this adventure has rather affected your admiration of her fine eyes.' "'Not at all,' he replied. "'They were brightened by the exercise.' A short pause followed this speech, and Mrs. Hurst began again. I have, I have excessive regard for Miss Jane Bennett. She is really a very sweet girl, and I wish with all my heart she were well settled. But with such a father and mother and such low connections, I am afraid there is no chance of it. I think I heard—I think I have heard you say that their uncle is an attorney on Meryton. Yes, and they have another who lives somewhere near Cheapside. That is capital, added her sister, and they both laughed heartily. if they had uncles enough to fill all Cheapside, cried Bingley, it would not make them one jot less agreeable, but it must be very materially, but it must very materially lessen their chance of marrying men of any consideration in the world, replied Darcy. To this speech, Bingley made no answer, but his sisters gave it their hearty assent and indulged their mirth for some time at the expense of their dear friend's vulgar relations. With a renewal of tenderness, however, they returned to her room on leaving the dining parlor and sat with her till summoned to coffee. She was still very poorly, and Elizabeth would not quit her at all till late in the evening when she had the comfort of seeing her sleep, and when it seemed to her rather right than pleasant that she should go downstairs herself. On entering the drawing-room, she found the whole party at Lou, and was immediately invited to join them but suspecting them to be playing high, she declined it and making her sister the excuse said she would amuse herself for the short time she could stay below with a book. Mr. Hurst looked at her with astonishment. Do you prefer reading to cards? said he. That is rather singular. Miss Elizabeth Bennett, said Miss Bingley, despises cards. She is a great reader and has no pleasure in anything else. I deserve neither such praise nor such censure, cried Elizabeth. I am not a great reader, and I have pleasure in many things. In nursing your sister, I am sure you have pleasure, said Bingley, and I hope it will soon be increased by seeing her quite well. Elizabeth thanked him from her heart and then walked towards the table where a few books were lying. He immediately offered to fetch her others all that his library afforded. "'And I wish my collection were larger for your benefit and my own credit, but I am an idle fellow, and though I have not many, I have more than I ever looked into.' Elizabeth assured him that she could suit herself perfectly with those in the room. "'I am astonished,' said Miss Bingley, "'that my father should have left so small a collection of books. "'What a delightful library you have at Pemberley, Mr. Darcy.' "'It ought to be good,' he replied. "'It has the work of many generations. "'And then you have added so much to it yourself. "'You are always buying books. "'I cannot comprehend the neglect of a family library "'in such days as these. "'Neglect? "'I am sure you neglect nothing that can add "'to the beauties of that noble place. "'Charles, when you build your house, "'I wish it may be half as delightful as Pemberley.' "'I wish it may.' "'But I would really advise you to make your purchase in that neighborhood and take Pemberley for a kind of model. "'There is not a finer county in England than Derbyshire. "'With all my heart, I will buy Pemberley itself if Darcy will sell it. "'I am talking of possibilities, Charles. "'Upon my word, Caroline, I should think it more possible to get Pemberley by purchase than by imitation.' Elizabeth was so much caught with what passed as to leave her very little attention for her books. As soon as laying it wholly aside, she drew near the end of the card table and stationed herself between Mr. Bingley and his eldest sister to observe the game. "'Is Miss Darcy much grown since the spring?' said Miss Bingley. "'Will she be as tall as I am?' "'I think she will. She is now about Miss Elizabeth Bennet's height, or rather taller.' How I longed to see her again. I never met with anybody who delighted me so much. Such a countenance, such manners, and so extremely accomplished for her age. Her, perform, her performance on the pianoforte is is, is is exquisite. It is amazing to me, said Bingley, how young ladies can have patience to be so very accomplished as they all are. "'All young ladies accomplished, my dear Charles. "'What do you mean?' "'Yes, all of them, I think. "'They all paint tables, cover screens, and net purses. "'I scarcely know anyone who cannot do all this, "'and I am sure I never heard a young lady spoken of "'for the first time without being informed "'that she was very accomplished.' Your list of the common extent of accomplishments, said Darcy, has too much truth. The word is applied to many a woman who deserves it, no otherwise than by netting a purse or covering a screen. But I am very far from agreeing with you in your estimation of ladies in general. I cannot boast of knowing more than half a dozen and the whole range of my acquaintance that are really accomplished. Nor I, I am sure, said Miss Bingley. Then, observed Elizabeth, you must comprehend a great deal in your idea of an accomplished woman. Yes, I do comprehend a great deal in it. Oh, certainly, cried his faithful assistant. No one can be really esteemed accomplished who does not greatly surpass what is usually met with. A woman must have a thorough knowledge of music, singing, drawing, dancing, and the modern languages to deserve the word. And besides all this, she must possess a certain something in her air and manner of walking, the tone of her voice, her address and expressions, or the word will be but half deserved. All this she must possess, added Darcy, and to all this she must yet add something more substantial and the improvement of her mind by extensive reading." I am no longer surprised at your knowing only six accomplished women. I rather wonder now at your knowing any. Are you so severe upon your own sex as to doubt the possibility of all this? I never saw such a woman. I never saw such capacity and taste and application and elegance as you describe united. Mrs. Hurst and Miss Bingley both cried out against the injustice of her implied doubt and were both protesting that they knew many women who answered this description when Mr. Hurst called them to order with bitter complaints of their inattention to what was going forward. As all conversation was thereby at an end, Elizabeth soon afterwards left the room. Elizabeth Bennet said Miss Bingley, when the door was closed on her. "Is one of those young ladies who seek to recommend themselves to the other sex by undervaluing their own, and with many men, I dare say, it succeeds, but in my opinion, it is a paltry device, a very mean art. Undoubtedly, replied Darcy, to whom this remark was chiefly addressed. "'There is a meanness in all that art "'which ladies sometimes condescend "'to employ for captivation. "'Whatever bears affinity to cunning is despicable.' "'Miss Bingley was not so entirely satisfied "'with this reply as to continue the subject. "'Elizabeth joined them again "'only to say that her sister was worse "'and that she could not leave her. "'Bingley urged Mr. Jones being sent for immediately "'while his sisters, convinced that no country advice "'would could be of any service,' recommended and expressed to town for one of the most eminent physicians this she would not hear of but she was not so unwilling to comply with their brother's proposal and it was settled that mr jones should be sent for early in the morning if miss Bennet were not decidedly better Bingley was quite uncomfortable. His sisters declared that they were miserable. They solaced their wretchedness, however, by duets after supper, while he could find no better relief to his feelings than by giving his housekeeper directions that every attention might be paid to the sick lady and her sister. Chapter 9 Elizabeth passed the chief of the night in her sister's room, and in the morning had the pleasure of being able to send a tolerable answer to the inquiries, which she very dearly received from Mr. Bingley by a housemaid, and sometime afterwards from the two elegant ladies who waited on his sisters. In spite of this amendment, however, she requested to have a note sent to Longbourn, desiring her mother to visit Jane, and form her own judgment of her situation." The note was immediately dispatched, and its contents as quickly complied with. Mrs. Bennet, accompanied by her two youngest girls, reached Netherfield soon after the family breakfast. Had she found Jane in any apparent danger, Mrs. Bennet would have been very miserable. But being satisfied on seeing her, that her illness was not alarming, she had no wish of her recovering immediately, as her restoration to health would probably remove her from, from Netherfield. She would not listen, therefore, to her daughter's proposal of being carried home. Neither did the apothecary, who arrived about the same time, think it was at all advisable. After sitting a little while with Jane on Miss Bingley's appearance and invitation, the mother and three daughters all attended her into the breakfast parlor. Bingley met them with hopes that Mrs. Bennet had not found Miss Bennet worse than she expected. Indeed, I have, sir, was her answer. She is a great deal too ill to be moved. Mr. Jones says we must not think of moving her. We must trespass a little longer on your kindness. Removed, cried Bingley, it must not be thought of. My sister, I am sure, will not hear of her removal. You may depend upon it, madam, said Miss Bingley with cold civility, that Miss Bennet will receive every possible attention while she remains with us. Mrs. Bennett was profuse in her acknowledgments. I am sure, she added, if it was not for such good friends i do not know how i do not know what would have become of her for she is very ill indeed and suffers a vast deal though with the greatest patience in the world which is always the way with her for she has without exception the sweetest temper i have ever met with i often tell my other girls they are nothing to her you have a you have a sweet room here mr bingley and a charming prospect over the gravel walk i do not know a place in the country that is equal to netherfield You will not think of quitting it in a hurry, I hope, though you have but a short lease. Whatever I do is done in a hurry, replied he, and therefore, if I should resolve to quit Netherfield, I should probably be off in five minutes. At present, however, I consider myself as quite fixed here. That is exactly what I should have supposed of you, said Elizabeth. You begin to comprehend me, do you? cried he turning towards her oh yes i understand you perfectly i wish i might take this for a compliment but to be so easily seen through as but to be so easily seen through i am afraid is pitiful there that is as it happens it does not follow that a deep intricate character is more or less estimable than such a one as yours lizzie cried her mother. Remember where you are, and do not run on in the wild manner that you have suffered to do at home. I did not know before, continued Bingley immediately, that you were a studier of character. It must be an amusing study. Yes, but intricate characters are the most amusing. They have at least that advantage. The country, said Darcy, can in general supply but a few subjects for such a study. In a country neighborhood, you move in a very confined and unvarying society, but people themselves alter so much that there is something new to be observed in them forever. Yes, indeed, cried Mrs. Bennet, offended by his manner of mentioning a country neighborhood. I assure you there is quite as much of that going on in the country as as is in town. Everybody was surprised, and Darcy, after looking at her for a moment, turned silently away. Mrs. Bennet, who fancied she had gained a complete victory over him, continued her triumph. I cannot see that London has any great advantage over the country. For my part, except for the shops and public places, the country is a vast deal pleasanter. Is it not, Mr. Bingley? When I am in the country, he replied, I never wish to leave it. And when I am in town, it is pretty much the same. They have... "'They each have their advantages "'and I can be equally happy in either.' "'Aye, that is because you have the right disposition.' "'But that gentleman looking at Darcy "'seemed to think the country was nothing at all.' "'Indeed, Mama, you are mistaken,' "'said Elizabeth, blushing for her mother. "'You quite mistook Mr. Darcy. "'He only meant that there was not such a variety of people "'to be met with in the country as in the town, "'which you must acknowledge to be true.' Certainly, my dear, nobody said there were, but as to not meeting many people in this neighborhood, I believe there are a few neighborhoods larger. I know we dine with four and twenty, I know we dine with four and twenty families. Nothing but concern, for Elizabeth could enable Bingley to keep his countenance. His sister was less delicate and directed her eyes toward Mr. Darcy with a very expressive smile. Elizabeth, for the sake of saying something that might turn her mother's thoughts, now asked if Charlotte Lucas had been at Longbourn since her coming away. "'Yes, she called yesterday with her father. What an agreeable man Sir William is, Mr. Bingley, is he not?' So much the man of fashion, so genteel and easy. He had always something to say to everybody. That is my idea of good breeding. And those persons who fancy themselves very important and never open their mouths quite mistake the matter. Did Charlotte dine with you? No, she would go home. I fancy she was wanted about the mince pies. For my part, Mr. Bingley, I always keep servants that can do their own work. My daughters are brought up very differently, but everybody is to judge for themselves, and the Lucases are a very good sort of girls, I assure you. It is a pity they are not handsome, not that I think Charlotte so very plain, but then she is not our particular friend. She seems a very pleasant young woman. Oh, dear, yes, but you must own she is very plain. Lady Lucas herself has often said so and envied me Jane's beauty. I do not like to boast of my own child, but to be sure, Jane, one does not often see anybody better looking. It is what everybody says. I do not trust my own partiality. When she was only 15, there was a man at my brother brother gardeners in town so much in love with her that my sister-in-law was sure he would make her an offer before we came away. But, however, he did not. Perhaps he thought her too young. However, he wrote some verses on her, and very pretty they were, and so ended his affection, said Elizabeth impatiently. There has been many a one I fancy overcome in the same way. I wonder who first discovered the f- efficacy of poetry and driving away love. I have been used to consider poetry as the food of love, said Darcy. Of a fine, stout, healthy love, it may. Everything nourishes what is strong already, but if it be only a slight then sort of inclination. I am convinced that one good sonnet will starve it entirely away. Darcy only smiled and the general pause which ensued made Elizabeth tremble lest her mother should be exposing herself again. She longed to speak but could think of nothing to say and after a short silence Mrs. Bennet began repeating her thanks to Mr. Bingley for his kindness to Jane with an apology for troubling him also with Lizzie. Mr. Bingley was unaffectedly civil in his answer and forced his younger sister to be civil also and say what the occasion required. She performed her part indeed without much graciousness, but Mrs. Bennet was satisfied and soon afterwards ordered her carriage. Upon the signal, the youngest of her daughters put herself forward. The two girls had been whispering to each other during the whole visit, and the result of it was that the youngest should taxed Mr. Bingley with having promised on his first coming into the country to give a ball at Netherfield. Lydia was a stout, well-grown girl of 15, with a fine complexion and good-humored countenance, a favorite with her mother, whose affection had brought her into public at an early age. She had high animal spirits, and a sort of natural self-consequence, which the attention of the others to whom her uncle's good dinners and her own easy manners recommended her had increased into assurance. She was very equal, therefore, to address Mr. Bingley on the subject of the ball and abruptly reminded him of his promise, adding that it would be the most shameful thing in the world if he did not keep it. His answer to the sudden attack was delightful to their mother's ear. I am perfectly ready, I assure you, to keep my engagement. And when your sister is recovered, you shall, if you please, name the very day of the ball. But you would not wish to be dancing when she is ill. Lydia declared herself satisfied. Oh, yes, it would be much better to wait till Jane was well. And by that time, likely Captain Carter would be at Meryton again. And when you have given your ball, she added, I shall insist on giving one also. I shall tell Colonel Foote. Colonel Forster, it will be quite a shame if he does not. Mrs. Bennett and her daughters then departed and Elizabeth turned in- instantly to Jane, leaving her on her own and her relations behavior to the remarks of the two ladies and Mr. Darcy, the latter of whom, however, could not be prevailed on to join in their censure of her in spite of all Miss Bingley's witticisms on fine eyes. And that'll do it for chapter nine of Jane Austen's Pride and Prejudice. Thank you so much for listening this evening here at Carla Reads the Classics. Until next time.